you want to hear something very funny? So I yes. started following the new Beverly on, I guess, Instagram. Do you want to guess what movie is playing the 14th of August? Keep in mind that day is very much a me day, so that's that's a hint. Why am I thinking like it's not going to be something like I know it isn't going to be like catch me if you can, but for some reason that was the first movie that popped into my head. <laughs> it's like yeah, Quentin Tarantino presents Steven Spielberg's most underappreciated work of the two thousands. Catch me if you can. It's a big U day. This is about as me as it gets. The, not the Godfather. No, not the Godfather. I don't know. Last Exit the... to Grange Village? <laughs> what is that? You look it up, Ben. No, I will not. You you look it up. <laughs> you look it up. No, the thing. Oh. Duh. I know, it's like I saw the thing that in the out. summertime. He's doing a double bill with some Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I think it's the not Donald Sutherland one, the one that you always talk about, the Abel Ferreira one. Ah, yes. The Abel Ferreira one, the 90s one. Invasion of yes. the Body Snatcher. God, it's a good movie. It's a weird movie, yeah. too. Yeah, I gotta see that one. How did the boy do on the way back? Did he do okay? He, you know, we took him out for a second, and then he was like, I'm not getting back in the car. And we were like, <laughs> respectfully disagree. He's like, I will walk uh, my happy ass back to the apartment at this point. And I was like, no, you won't. <laughs> Just flipping you off as he walks away. And so, yeah, I had I had to, like, not, like, force him into the crate, but, like, be very gingerly lead him into it. And so that wasn't fun. What have I told you? Sharpshooter. <laughs> his legs are too small I can't do a sharpshooter I can only do an arm bar yeah you could probably do a little arm bar it was good seeing you actually I loved it I was, I was, the only bummer was that our ladies didn't get to meet and we all didn't yeah. get to hang out a little bit but you know what you'll yeah. be back soon I'm sure I'm sure yeah I'll be down there in yeah. some time yeah we'll get to do another live one I'll tell you man it's really hard sitting here doing this without someone across from me now and i gotta tell you i think if i'm gonna get anything from christmas i think we should just both like figure out how much it costs to get a cardboard cut out of each other <laughs> and that'll be the gift we exchange <laughs> just set it up across from one another i don't know i don't know about that friend <laughs> no you don't like the idea of a of just a of a cardboard cut out across from me just doing like the double gun pointing at you every week i would have to like keep it in my in my bedroom. Fold it up, put it <laughs> under the bed. I'm comfortable ah. wherever. <laughs> Is it because you think it'll be under there watching you, judging you? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Asking questions like, what the fuck was the point of you telling me to watch that movie this week? Could have saved a lot of time and just watched First Reformed again. You picked it. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know what I was getting into. You picked the fucking movie, man. You could have looked it up. It's true, it's true. It's true. I, well, no, I, I just knew you liked it and I wanted to make it up to you because someone was still real salty about the Eternals. 
Not kidding, ladies and gentlemen. We said last week he swung at me. He really had his hand out like a panther and he like he swiped at me. It was it was pretty crazy. I guess we should probably we should probably get into it and we'll we'll talk about these two apology movies to Tyler because I'll tell you, one of them has even jumped higher in my opinion than the last time I saw it. And the other one, well, I've got some thoughts on the other one. <laughs> I'm excited. Um I'm excited to tell you that you're wrong. You're not a bad thoughts. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel like that's probably bad thoughts. Well, you know, that's you being a real negative Nancy. I am being a negative Nancy. Also, Ben, real quick, what is my theme for next week? <laughs> End of your movie. Now you want more. Now you want more. Maybe all your insides come Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from a very little lonely town in Sweden to a very, very sad, depressing house on a wet afternoon in London. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, one of your hosts, Ben. And I'm Tyler. There we go. That that was a good one. One of those is normal. Yes, (laughs) doesn't have me kind of half talking over you. That's good stuff. How was your week? My week was uh, my week was good. It was uh, it was Portland changed to Reno. It was weird. I was in Reno for a little bit, you know. The sound quality of the of the recording became a lot better, I'm assuming. Have you listened to the the latest episode? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. It sounds good. Do we have the same best thing we saw this week? I mean, we can talk about that, and then I can briefly bring up the, the other thing I watched this week. Well, how about how about we both briefly b- bring up something? Okay, and, for sure. And you go ahead and go first. I watched Seance, which I won't talk about now, because it'll ruin the movie we'll talk about later. <laughs> well, that's fantastic, and I'll just... Just say this for the A twenty four seven show. We watched Tusk, and was she mad? Yes, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I think it did answer a question that has plagued man since the beginning of time: Is man truly a walrus? Oh, I guess I guess the answer was no. I'm gonna go with the answer being no. He also says no. Yeah. Hey Tyler, how do you feel about maybe doing our first ever one? Our first ever. For one, um, what do you call it? On Skype, uh, we do a crossover episode for Green Room. Oh, yeah, we could do that. What do you think of that, babe? The three of us do one for Green Room, because that's one of Tyler's favorite movies from A24. I yeah. saw that four times in the cinema. He saw that four times in the cinema. Wow. Yeah, that, that was my response, too. I've probably seen it four times since theaters. Like, I've probably at least watched it one to four times. Yeah, so Tusk and Seance. Two movies we would both say C for different reasons? Yes. Yes. Definitely see Seance. Seance fucking rules. And I'll say it in its own way, Tusk kind of rules. Like, uh, that swing is amazing. It misses. 
a lot of the time, but damn, is it a swing. How early in advance for your Hollywood theater would you be able to find out that 2001 is playing on 70 millimeter? They usually announce it like a month out, but it's not usually like, it's like a, hey, we got a thing coming. Sometimes they send out like a little email to, to members. So, time And other really people late. get into this, right? Yeah. Okay. Like, you can buy, buy tickets. tickets. Yeah, okay. Alright, cool. Because I think the next time it happens, like, as early as we can, I think that should be the next movie. I would totally come up there to see 2001 on 70mm. There's 70mm. It's nice. It's big old, big, big, big boy. Yeah. I'd be excited to see that. Speaking of things seen on a grand scale, you want to you bring it into the room? Yeah, we got high and watched Get Out on IMAX. We watched Nope on IMAX. We watched but, Nope. You know. I'm so sorry. I am so sleepy. <laughs> no, you've just named the show this week. I'm, it, what is it going to be named? I'm so sorry. I'm so sleepy. <laughs> no, it, it's going to be. It's going to be. We watched Get Out on IMAX. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I, 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 Get out, it's so good. Maybe I'll just cut out me saying it, and then I'll and you'll, then you'll just be, and then I'll just I'll just have you um, I'll just have you say, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sleepy." I'm so sorry, I'm so <laughs> oh. sleepy. Yes, we watched Nope on IMAX. On IMAX. And well, you know, I'm gonna ask you this first. I'm asking one question about it. How do you feel about it the second time watching it in the format that I guess it was intended for? It. Is very good. I liked it a lot more. I liked it a lot more. What about He's you? Gonna, I think it might be the movie of the year. Like, like I am unabashedly, it jumped from like probably the seven spot to the one spot. Yeah. Like this, and I don't know if it's because I saw it the way it was intended to be seen, or if it's because I knew what the movie was this time around, and I could really love lock into like other things about it yeah i mean i think i noticed some other things about the movie that i didn't notice the first time around one of them's real obvious too what yeah one of them's real obvious also because i knew what the what was happening i couldn't i could focus more on the this is going to be really annoying when i say this on the mise-en-scene and like seeing him put the clouds in the background of the frame and kind of having like this looming presence the entire time it did help that uh, i had an edible in my system and that made the movie significantly more terrifying also the movie playing in a in a imax is so loud the movie is very very loud not just that it's also one of those things where, like, when you finally see, like, a couple of shots in that movie on an IMAX, you sit there and you go, and I'll tell you this, too. I think I've been to maybe, like, three IMAX movies in my life, maybe. Like, was Fury Road shot for IMAX? Yes. I don't know if it was shot for IMAX, but it looked fucking amazing in IMAX. I think we saw that also, in IMAX, I w- which I remember, which I remember being like, "Okay, cool, that was a movie on a really big screen. That's awesome." I saw, I've seen a couple others, which I don't think have done a lot for me. I've never seen a Nolan movie on an IMAX, so maybe that's where I've gone wrong my whole IMAX career. 
this might be like the first legitimate movie that I've seen on an IMAX where I go, oh, that's what you can do with IMAX. Yeah. Like, there are moments in that movie where it's like, like, he almost kind of tricks you into believing you're in the movie to a certain extent. Yes. I think what makes it so fucking scary is just its use of sound. Yeah. I saw it in, like, a dingy little theater the first time, and while it was really good and I really connected with it, seeing it in, like, a big, empty auditorium and just hearing the fucking... Just the the wind move around you, and that's the scariest shit ever, man. That's so fucking... That was, oh, it was terrifying. I hated it. A+. Plus. I mean, I will say one of the funniest moments in the movie, and I'm not going to say what it is, but there's something you notice the first time around that's pretty obvious... You just, I think, and I don't, I can't be sure you did this, but I'm pretty sure you just snapped your finger and you went, there it is. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, yep. I'm like, there it is. I was like, son of a bitch, it was there the whole fucking time. We didn't know. Not to spoil it. There's a shot really early on where if you look to the horizon, you can see the the cloud that doesn't look like any other cloud. <laughs> cloud that kind of looks weird. Um, and I was what? like, ah, oh, fuck, it's been there the entire time. <laughs> Yeah. What genre would you put this in? I think it's horror. It definitely plays more along the lines of, like, spectacle and action, especially towards the end. But there's definitely, like, a couple scenes where I'm like, this is straight up De Palma-esque. The scene in the... I'm gonna say barn, but it's not barn. But the scene in the um, horse sanctuary or horse area where it's, like, the kids from the Jupe Ranch... And you, you think it's aliens? It's that's great. That's that's a plus moment, man. That's so good. That got me a second time. I knew it was gonna happen. I agree with you. The completely like insanity of that scene, where and I think you actually said it. One of the things that blew me away, and it was a nice insight into it. You're like, this is why Jordan Peele needs to do a slasher movie. Oh yeah, guys. If you haven't seen Nope, first of all, fuck you. But guys, if you haven't seen Nope on IMAX, <laughs> no, no, fuck them. Sorry, like fuck them. Like this is this is one of our this is one of our countrymen. He made a fucking masterpiece. He made a piece of art, guys. This is fucking art at its finest. And if you guys haven't supported that, you guys aren't fucking supporting your fellow countrymen, and that's wrong in my opinion. Sorry to say it, it's wrong. You should also support people from other countries who make art. But I'm just saying, like this right here, this is a piece of fucking art. It's the best fucking movie of the year. I don't know if anything's going to unseat this until, like, January. Like, this is at least going to be top five. I mean, right now it's in my top five. It is not number one. Although I really do We all know what that is. We all know what number one is, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we do. I don't think they do. Yeah. No, I I listed all the movies. Well, actually, I don't think you do either. No, you said it last week. I think you said it I last did. week. I did. Uh, I listed. Yeah. I listed all of them. Yeah, because my girl asked. Um, she was like, "What's your number one?" And you were like, "And she was like, I've never heard of that movie before." And I was like, "Oh, I don't think you're gonna like it." <laughs> I think I turned to her. I said, "We'll watch it before the end of the year, probably. Like, I'll have to." Yeah, it's definitely top five. I don't think it's. I genuinely would be surprised if it went anywhere. The only movies I think that could unseat it at this point are like blonde (laughs) and i don't really think anything else coming out is i'm that excited for 
do you think Blonde's going to be? I think it's going to be a fucking mess, but I might love it. You think like this? By the way, did you? By the way, here's some here's some fun thing to the other day. This is Oscar 2023 Best Actor predictions by IndieWire. Here are their five yes. frontrunners. I wanted to see what you think of this list. Adam Sandler for Hustle. <laughs> I've, dude, I've seen that movie. That's a good performance. That's like a really good performance. I can see it in a no, world. There's a that's world where I'm No, no, it's not going to hang on. I think that's why it's at the bottom. Bill Nighy for Living. Okay. Daniel Kaluuya for Nope. It should be. It is not the type of performance that gets rewarded. Park High Ill for Decision to Lead. Is that even out yet? I, I don't know. It must be. They've seen it. And Austin Butler for Elvis. Yes. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to go see that again tonight. So, yes. Are you really going to that again tonight? Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't talk to me like Elvis when you're talking about Elvis. That's weird. Hey, yeah, baby. Hey, yeah. Have you ever seen the episode of South Park where they go to the planetarium? <laughs> no. There's an episode early in the run where they go to the planetarium, and the planetarium guy is hypnotizing everyone in town to love the planetarium because it's not making any money. Like, that's the like the bit of the week. And at one point, like, Officer Barbarity comes to question the guy, and he goes, he goes, come to take a look at the planetarium, Officer Barbarity. And he turns Officer Barbarity to think he's in, he's Elvis. And there's a moment where Cartman comes to, like, try to help everyone, and Officer Barbarity goes, not so fast there, Tubby. Like, it's one <laughs> of the funniest deliveries of a line in South Park I think I've ever heard. And I was just thinking about Elvis. I was like, not so fast there, Tubby. We gotta move on. We gotta move on. It's almost spent 30 minutes talking about, like, Nope and all the other stuff, and... So yeah, Elvis, Elvis, you could sign off on a Best Actor nominee for him. Oh, for sure. For sure, baby. What if he could win Best Actor that year and Tom Hanks could win Worst Actor at the Raz- Raspberries? I, he, You know what? <laughs> It'd be kind of fun, I'm still, though, right? Uh, it's, it's, a fun perfor- it's a weird, fun performance. I'm not saying it's a good performance, but I'm saying it's I like the performance. Yeah. It's at least bad oh. enough. I mean, the Elvis performance though progressively gets better. Yeah, it's like they it's like they swap like he, like Austin Butler is absorbing Tom Hanks's powers. <laughs> One it really better. does feel like a Dragon Ball Z plot, doesn't it? Where he's like, he's taking my power. Ugh, it's so good. Let's get, can't wait to let's take let's an edible that. here tonight. Can't wait. <laughs> That's what you're doing, huh? We're doing, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go pick up edibles the store soon. I'm gonna split one, go see Elvis. Did you like that? What do you call it? Uh, Whatever that edible. was, it fucking <laughs> dude. That I I can tell an edible's good when I start t- tilting sideways. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm just like, no, oh, guys, uh, like I was having like amount. stroke. Yeah, it's the perfect <laughs> little amount. No more wasting time. Let's get on to our first movie from 1963. Tyler, what were you doing in 1963? Don't answer that. I already know. You were like me. Not alive. But you know who was alive? Ingmar Bergman. And this is a movie where Bergman examines the ideas of faith and doubt in a beautiful black and white film. 
A priest going through crisis of faith must examine his life and the actions it has yielded. Like most of Bergman's films, it's shrouded in shadows along with multiple interpretations on its meaning and ideas. This is, of course, the 1963 film from Ingmar Bergman, starring Ingrid Tholen, Gunnar Bjornstrand, Gunnel Lindblom, and Max von Sydow. This is Ingmar Bergman's Winter Light. On this so, at give in defense. Why you the feel not? Leave it be begripligt. We can let not. Döden bryter ut slocknande. En upplösning av kropp och själ. Människornas grymhet, deras ensamhet, deras rädsla. Allt blir självklart genomlyst. Det obegripliga lidandet behöver inte förklaras. Det finns ingen skapare. Ingen upphållare. Ingen tanke. Varför har du övergivit mig? Like, does the estate of Ingmar Bergman know that, like, Paul Schrader needs to get sued? <laughs> That's my um, first question. Listen. So, first and foremost, it's not just stealing from this movie. It's We should do a, another double uh, later on. If, if you ever really fuck me over and make me watch The Eternals again or something along the lines of The Eternals and you want to apologize for it, I'm just saying a good double would be Diary of a County Priest and First Reform. Because that's the other movie he's taking from. Maybe it becomes a bit now on the show where I just try to trap you with, like, I just try to trap you with, with a bad movie. And then we have to do the apology tour. And that's where we, we knock out this, this weird random bullshit that you're talking about. Oh, I like that idea a lot, actually. That's very funny. Call it weird random bullshit. No, 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 no. Like, you, you just have, like, a more... If, like, both of our brains light up with movies... Like, if our whole brains are all of movies, like, your brain lights up in several different places. I've got, like, key chunks that is where, like, my brain lights up. 
Like, but you, you're popping off everywhere. <laughs> I'm a trash man. No, it's not even trash though. Like, I mean, this is this is maybe this one is of the best shot movies I've seen like in the last five years. This, this is an incredible looking movie. That's my boy Sven Nyquist, baby. And never forget, what else is Sven Nyquist shot? Uh, let's see. Let's go through some of his works. No, no. There's only one. I'll get to it. Basically, everything Ingmar Bergman did since The Virgin Spring. Basically, every single one of those, outside of the TV movies that he directed. Of course, of course, we have The Sacrifice and Star 80. Uh, Star 80 by Bob Fosse, The Sacrifice by Andre Tar- Tarkovsky. There's a Bob Robinson movie in there. There's not going to say that. Uh, he, of course, directed a movie called The Ox, and he also uh, shot the, the Chaplin movie by uh, Richard Attenborough. Sleepless in Seattle by Nora Ephron, and What's Eating Gilbert Grape by uh, no, Leslie no, you Go back to it. This motherfucker shot Sleepless in Seattle. Still one of the funniest I mean, things you've ever said on the looks show. looks so good though like oh no one's denying it doesn't look good like it does look good there's some shots in sleepless in seattle where i'm just like that why is this so good <laughs> it's like oh right sven nyquist shot this yeah it's one of the best guys maybe to ever do it maybe like, like one of the guys who like just was like inventing cinematic language so where does this catch bergman so this catches Bergman probably, I mean, at the height of his powers. He just... Okay. So the last we spoke about Bergman, we were at the Seventh Seal, which is probably his his biggest um, movie. Um, it, was, it, it came after Smiles of a Summer Night, which is kind of like the first movie that broke him internationally, and the Seventh Seal is probably just like... That's like one of the most iconic movies of all time. After that, he makes Wild Strawberries, The Magician, The Virgin Spring, all of which are very well received. And all probably considered to be like top 250, top 100 movies of all time. Maybe not The Magician, but definitely Wild Strawberries and Virgin Spring. This is post those movies. I've never seen The Magician. I guess I guess it'll have to be something we'll we'll get to down the road. Yes, I love The Magician. If you've never so, seen The Magician, that movie fucking bangs. I want to do two Bergman movies, but maybe like, damn it, it's too bad we've already done Michael Bay because it would be so funny to do a double called Bergman and Bay. You think or you, Ber- you figure out whatever whatever you want to put together, and I will I will bring a Bergman movie to the table. I'll figure out like an action film guy like. To put with, like, Bergman, which would be very funny. What I will say is that this catches Bergman in the middle of his Faith trilogy. Um, the, the movie right before this, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Through a Glass Darkly, uh, also a great movie. Very I've seen weird. A Scanner Darkly, is that the movie? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, then, no, I've not seen that movie. <laughs> Through a Glass Darkly... Um, it's about a young woman uh harriet anderson who i love big ups she's with her family on a remote island she's potentially schizophrenic there's this like incest through line the movie is fun this sounds so fun oh super fun super fun and it's also you know how dark these two movies are 
the third movie, The Silence, is somehow even darker. Um, so you're saying there's a movie after this that's darker? Yes. Well, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back. I don't think this is that dark. Through a Glass Darkly is like it ends with the revelation of like someone basically being like love is real so therefore god has to be real because love is so powerful how could love exist without there being a god like that's like the rationale at the end but it also depicts god as a giant malformed spider so you know some complications (laughs) in the depiction of god in there don't spoil it i mean I do have a question for you at the end of this movie that's very crucial. So, like, don't spoil it because it's it's about stuff involving that. For sure. Why don't you go into what this is about, please? Because <laughs> so oh, I watched it twice. I'm not sure I still get it. This is about Pastor Thomas Erickson. And he is a pastor of a small town in Sweden, obviously, because that's where Bergman's from. And he is... In or has just gotten out of a relationship with his mistress, Martha, who is a teacher in the town. There's a couple other people in the in the parishioners. There is an organist played by Olaf Thurnberg. There's Algot, who is um, this man who who has like uh, some sort of I don't know if it's if it's if he says it, but he has like some sort of uh, degenerative disease where his like bones ache. And yeah, like he he's kind of like a hunchback kind of kind of situation. It's 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 a very interesting performance from him. And then you have the persons who are Jonas and Karen, played by Gunnar Lindblom and Max von Sydow, who. Yes. (laughs) So we're sitting there the other night and she's just about to drop off to bed. I said, I said, you just got to stay awake until Max von Sydow comes on the screen. And she's like, who's Max von Sydow? I'm like, you know Max von Sydow. And she was like, how long until I go? I don't know. I've never seen this movie. And she goes, if it's more than five minutes, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to stay awake. I'm like, okay. So luckily he shows up on screen and she goes, I'm go, that's Max von Sydow. She goes, I, I don't know who that is, Ben. And I go, do you remember the old Nazi doctor from Shutter Island? She goes, oh yeah, I can see it. She goes, he's just really young. I go, yeah, that's him. Yeah. Young, hot so, Max von Sydow. I don't know if he's hot. Max von Sydow is a weird looking dude. He would he's be not hot Jimmy in, today. Okay. He's not hot in this movie, but Seventh Seal Max von Sydow. Okay, I'll give you that. The Magician Max von Sydow? Virgin Spring Max von Sydow? Is you he know? the Magician? He is the Magician in The Magician. Yeah. Ah, you sold me a ticket, Max von Sydow being a Magician of some sort. He's, it, it's it's not a, a Bjorkstrand-led joint. Um, those were his two leading men at this time, Gunnar Bjorkstrand and Max von Sydow. So he puts them anyway. both here. Yeah, he has them. He has. I mean, the the scene where it's Von Sydow and Bergstrom like talking in the. Anyway, we'll get there. That's my scene. Of the oh, movie. that's so. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So that's I mean, okay. So that, like from a cinematic standpoint, that's actually interesting. See, I would have never. I would have never they, known that they had a. They were in the Seventh Seal together, but I don't think they're in a lot of his movies at the same time. Who does he play in the Seventh Seal? Gunnar Bjorkstrand plays the the guy. <laughs> he plays what's his fucking nuts. He plays like one of the travelers going with. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Because I was like, I was like, I don't think he's death, right? No, he's not death, but he's he's a, not a jester. What's his fucking role? I forget. I, I think it's I cool. remember who he is in it now that you're saying. Um, 
He's also in Wild Strawberries, but they don't have a scene together in Wild Strawberries. Um, I think he might also be in The Magician, but it's been a while since I've seen The Magician. That's fair. But yeah, so who is it? What's her name? Karen asks Tomas if she can talk, if he can talk to her husband, who is having a hard time, so to speak. He is. Jonas has become morose after hearing that China is developing developing an atomic bomb. He is essentially like this world is desolate. Like this, you know, like the, it's gonna there's gonna be an apocalypse. Like, what's the point to even existing? Like, what's the point to bringing children into this world? Like, essentially, the argument is like there's gonna be a nuclear war, and I don't want to be around. <laughs> I don't want to be around <laughs> to see it. Why does this sound familiar? Because hmm. the first act of First Reformed is very similar, but you take out the atomic war and you put in climate change. Yeah, yeah, it's true, isn't it? Ugh. Ben, I want you to watch Diary of a County Priest because it's about a priest who's dying and he has a diary. <laughs> so it's, it's like those two movies just had a baby. And it's first. Reformed. That sounds so fun. That sounds just so fun. Well, we'll, we'll figure out some way to pay. You, you have a free spot. Hold on a second. I know you have 156 still open. Interesting. All right. I'll brainstorm today. Figure out what I can come up with. I mean, if you can, like I said, it should be Berg. I think you should do Bergman and an action director. I mean, I will think of an action director. I think that's very funny to do. I'll put Bergman plus action. Very much like first reform, but also too, I kind of applaud Paul Schrader. If you're gonna if you're gonna crib from someone, you might as well do it from like one of the masters. Might as well. It seems like it's a parish of like maybe like ten people max. Yes. It's a it's a it's a small town that seems to not want to go to church anymore. Because <laughs> the cause maybe the maybe the person who is leading it is not doing so good. Kind of, kind of phoning it in is what I would kind say. Kind of phoning it in, yeah. His, yeah. The, the the first like five minutes, six minutes of the movie is like his moon service, and it's so bad. I mean, it's not that it's bad. It's just it feels like it's been run through a thousand times. Yeah, like this is yeah. you know, it's just like I do this, I do this, we do this, ba boom, ba boom, and I'm out. Like, like you, you never went to church, did you? No. See, I knew, like, you can, it's, it's a lot like, it's funny to say this, but like watching someone preach is a lot like watching someone play baseball. Like, <laughs> you know, when they're having a good day up there and when they're not. <laughs> it's true. It's totally true. And this dude, this dude is just like trying to get through nine innings. Because yes, you got a lot of is, shit to do when you're up there. Like I've watched it, I'm like, it's a it's a performance. Like you have to perform because you're trying to keep people genuinely engaged in the idea that like you are telling them like this is what will help you get to that next thing in life. Like say what you will too. Like it's so funny you like this movie, you fucking atheist. Like I don't know what your problem is with like movies about religion. This I, lo I love. I love. This is two in a I, month. I love movies about religion. Um, it's, you know so that. Weird. I don't know what it is. I love the movies about faith. I love movies about. I, to me, this movie is beautiful. I I absolutely love this movie. I think it's one oh, of no, the no argument, no argument here. 
one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. Throughout the movie, Tomas has a cold. I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's just like, he just seems like bitter and upset. And he's also like, I'm tired and I keep coughing. But yeah, no, he really, it really does feel like, man, I'm just trying to get a quality out here. You know, I'm just trying to, like, the bull, I don't want the bullpen to come in, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, there's those starts where the pitcher's just getting lit up, but he's like, you got to be like, no, 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 no. You got to eat up some innings here, fella. Exactly. <laughs> so we're going to let you give up nine runs across five innings. Oh, you're not wrong. The movie kind of goes from there. After the service, he talks to a couple of people. He talks to this couple who is clearly going through it, which is the Amanda Seyfried and significant other in First Reformed. And he also has this talk with this woman who I guess is like the school marm. Yes. And also it seems that they might be kind of romantically interlinked. Yes. Ex-mistress Marta. That's wild. So wait, the priest had a mistress? I don't think not why his wife was alive, because you learn that he had a wife and that the wife is dead. I think it was afterwards. It's kind of like the first reform thing where it they had a sexual relationship and he as a priest feels guilty about it. Mm-hmm. And so he transfers all of the guilt and frustration and anger that he feels towards himself towards her and really throws her under the fucking bus. Yeah, that scene is rough. It's real rough, and she writes a letter um, in which she describes Tomas neglecting her, relating a story of a rash that disfigured her body and repulsed him, and how his faith in prayers didn't do anything to help her. And she also writes about how her family was loving and warm and didn't have any religion and kind of like expresses like her bewilderment towards his indifference towards like jesus and then jonas comes back and tomas tries to he will i mean technically tomas falls asleep but then jonas comes back and he tries tries to provide counsel and then it's essentially like there's i don't believe in god anymore and essentially it was because tomas served during the spanish civil war and could not reconcile his uh, belief in a loving God with the atrocities that he saw. Um, and so he ignored it. And it basically it looks at Jonas and is like, it's much easier to make sense of things if we deny the existence of God. Because then man's cruelty needs no explanation. And then Jonas leaves and kills himself. Yeah, I think he fucked up right there. He kind of fucked that one up. Kind of hard. Tomas like, looks at the crucifix and is like, I'm free. <laughs> I did it. And I did it with my ankle axe submission. Yeah, he he just kind of really turns his back on God. And it's like, it costs him. Like, I think I think that's why I think that's why he, Von Sydow's character takes himself out. I mean, I'm not saying God did that to be like, I'm going to prove to you, you son of a bitch, I'm real. But like, it didn't help. Like it doesn't it definitely doesn't it doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't. Before he hears about it, I think Marta also is like overjoyed to hear that Tomas is like rejecting religion. It's very yeah. interesting. Why is the letter such a long scene? It's so it's so long, it's so good though. It is. I'll say that. That might be my scene of the movie. If the Ma- Max von Sydow uh, Gunnar Bjorgestan I I'm never going to be able to say it. Their second meaning is like, that's that's the fire. 
when she gives him that letter and he reads it, I, I fucking love that scene. That's the, when it goes from him like reading it to like her narrating it directly to camera. I'm like, that's oh, that's incredible. Fucking... Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, there's, there's some really Let's solid filmmaking in there. You want to talk about the ending? Yes. So essentially, what happens? Because I don't you know, get it. <laughs> so basically, they go. They get Jonas's body away from the lake, and he he goes. They go to the classroom, and Marta and, and Tomas essentially have a long conversation. And Tomas really, I guess it's Thomas. I don't know Tomas. Whatever. He has a he has a moment where he just fucking lashes out. He's just like, "You can never live up to my wife." That's the only woman I've ever loved. Um, you're not a wife to me. And then essentially it's like, can I get a ride with you? <laughs> Just such a fucking dick move. I love it. Absolutely adore the guy who's playing the organ, who's clearly loaded the entire movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Tomas, like it's like. Karen, he goes to Karen and is like, your husband's fucking dead, shot himself. <laughs> he does deliver it like Louis C.K. in that one episode of Louis where he gets a line in a movie, he goes, your husband is dead. Like, doesn't do it with any sort of tact or anything. No tact, no grace. Just like, your husband, he ain't come back. Sorry. And also, goodbye. He goes to the three o'clock start. By the way, by the way, this all happens uh, from noon to three does happen from noon to three doesn't it perfect i love it a plus anyway um he gets to the three o'clock service uh the building is empty except for Olgat, the sexton and uh the organist frederick and essentially Olgat has this very long very long monologue where he essentially is asking about the passion which Olgat's like Essentially, like, I've suffered more physically than Jesus did during his time on the cross, like the four hours. I've suffered my entire life. He's suffered for four hours or so on the cross. And he's like, I think the real passion, the real pain came from the disciples leaving him. And then also the moment where where God was also silent in that moment. And Tomas just sort of listens silently and agrees um and everybody's like we no one's here like why are we doing a service and tomas essentially the whole just just was like okay cool bells are rung he stands up and he starts off by saying holy holy lord god almighty heaven and earth are full of your glory ends with him continuing doing the service when everybody else is like let's just go home and it leaves you with the question, is he continuing to do the service because he is refusing to change? Uh, he is refusing to, to, to actually embrace the, the life of someone who does not believe? Or is he doing it because he does believe deep down and is, is attempting to reconcile with God's silence, reconcile with the, 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 the problem of someone who has to have faith um, in the face of uh, great uncertainty or is he continuing just like doing this as a way of 
ensuring and committing his committing to essentially like a life of like essentially like a, an emotional form of punishment of torment i think you could argue this you know the the show aqua teen hunger force yes there's an episode where at one point something happens where they have to throw out their old tv and get a new one and the whole episode has been about tv and there's a moment at the end where Meatwad looks at Frylock and goes, wait a minute, I thought you said TV was evil. And Frylock goes, it is, but we fucking need it. And then it goes to credits from there. That's kind of how I feel about this guy. I think he knows that, like, maybe he will not get anything out of this. Maybe he's reached his point where this can do something for him, but he still needs it. It's almost like the idea of, like, the idea of, like, I'm scared like it's like I don't think the sun is gonna burn me alive because I don't look because I because I don't acknowledge it, but I acknowledge it because it's there and it's doing what it's doing. Like mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like the unknown of it is so terrifying. It's probably better to stick with the thing you've been doing than to like change things up and potentially like shift things greatly, which you could argue the death of Max von Sydow's character is God being is his way of looking at God being like, no, no, don't don't do that. I told you to believe this way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me. The message is powerful to me. It's the 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 ending is choosing to believe in in the you know, choosing to continue to believe in the face of of mass uncertainty, in the face of this, you know, large, overwhelming <laughs> emotional deference towards there not being anything um, and still choosing to have faith that there is. Um, and, you know, n- you know, d- d- allowing yourself to not be comforted by the randomness of the universe like i said i find it beautiful as someone who is not religious i think that i think that that message is incredibly powerful and i think this is maybe my favorite bergman movie this is yes i think it's i i I mean have you seen hour of the wolf i have it's great Oh, okay. okay. Just check. Just check. Is it? Yeah. Really? Oh, is, just, yeah. just, oh, potentially on the outside looking in, huh? If we were to yeah. do his Mount Rushmore. Yep. Here, mm. let, let me look. His Mount Rushmore would be, I would get fucking flame broiled because I have two of like his quote unquote mediocre films on the top, top five. I mean, not by me. I don't know if what any of these are. I really love his thorny, weird movies. Like one of my favorites is The Passion of Anna, which is a movie that is like that's a, that's a that's a rough one. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a rough movie. But yeah, Winter Light is to me a perfect movie. It's I love Bergman. Uh, yeah, I love Bergman so much. Guess I should ask you, what would you pair this with? Well, I think if I was being nice, I would pair it with. First reformed. Uh, however, I f- I would also want to pair it with through a glass darkly. So I think those are the two that 
play off each other the most because through glass darkly is essentially like the inverse of winter light and then the silence is just like fucking a straight kick to the nuts <laughs> bergman fucking worked your stomach the entire match and then just in the last minute just kicked you right in the balls he's like suck it essentially yeah bergman just came in and was just like bangkok boom and just like hit you right in the right in the dick oh wonderful good for you bergman good for you well let's see you said what you would pair it with what's your what's your elevator pitch for this movie you want to see one of the best movies ever made like ever like literally of all time yeah that's true that is what it is that's my pitch for like not a lot of bergman there's some bergman like all these women where it's like do you want to see maybe bergman's worst movie <laughs> which is still like pretty you know what we should Probably do one of these pretty things? good what's what's that worst movies by master that's not a bad idea actually yeah you can do serpent's egg which is one of the worst literally one of the worst movies i've ever seen but it's by bergman it's by bergman absolute piece of garbage one of the few movies by him where i'm just like there is nothing nothing redeeming (laughs) in this (laughs) like what was this a tax shelter movie like what the fuck happened here who's to say man what would another one be ah i'm trying to think of like spielberg we could do amistad yeah i don't hate amistad though yeah well, maybe it would be would it be, would it be Lost World? What is what is Spielberg's worst movie? There's stuff like more recently always? that I would say is worse. I haven't seen Always, but I have it. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I own it. Hey, look, look! You know how my brain works. I've got a mental disorder, and I'm one day going to get it established as needing to complete things. I'm like the collector, but you know, on a much lamer scale. I, I mean, I would say personally, one of his weakest movies is like anything he's made, like from Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull on up to now. Like, I'm going to say it, it drops in somewhere in there. I've never seen Always, so I don't know. Ooh. Ooh, we could do it with the Lady Killers. That would be a good one for the Coen brothers. You hear my lukewarm defense of the Lady Killers. <laughs> Dude, I kind of like the Lady Killers too, though. That's the thing. Yeah, that's true. That's Ooh, true. I, I do not hate this idea. Okay. Movie. Oh, bad movies by masters. Bad movies by masters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm in on this. What do you give Winter Light? Baby, come on. It's five stars. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's a four for me. It was originally a three and a half, but upon talking about it, I've raised it up half a star. It's actually it's better than I thought it was than I thought it was. I mean, like, I still think it's very funny how much this movie is clearly ripped by uh, First Reformed. And now I guess I have to see Diary of a County Priest to be like, oh, there's the other half. Son of a bitch. Is anyone going to stop him? What's next? He's going to rip off Taxi Driver. Excuse me. Oh, right. He wrote that movie. Never mind. Never mind. I retract that, Your Honor. Taxi Driver is sort of a riff on um, Diary of a County Priest, though. We I won't talk is about it. it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's uh, kind of it's kind of a a, a riff on um, Brisson films. 
because they always kind of have like a narrator and a guy writing in a diary. Huh. Anything else we got to do with this one? It's great. Do not watch The Serpent's Egg. Unless we do it for a, a, a thing. And then, you know. And then, we'll, then you'll watch great. it. Do not watch The Serpent's Egg. Okay. We'll take it on to our next movie. And our next movie is by a director I've never heard of named Brian Forbes. I'm sure he's done a bunch of stuff I would know. And the movie is what Tyler has turned me on to called a British kitchen sink drama and is about two people, a husband and a wife, and without putting too much around it, abduct a child with the express purpose of ransoming her back to her parents by way of claiming psychic gifts. Everyone, hold on. This movie's much better than the plot I've given you because we're going to discuss it in detail. An incredible little bit of British drama stuns and has you on the edge of your seat, never once letting up on pitch perfect tension that will end in what might be one of the best conclusions to a movie I've seen in some time. This is the 1964 movie by Brian Forbes starring Kim Stanley and Richard Attenborough. As Myra Savage and Bill Savage, this is Seance on a Wet Afternoon. Still, it suits our purposes. Further away, the better, till it's all over. You want that on, do you? Yes. It helps me to concentrate. Of course, it would be a marvelous opportunity not to have her back. I mean, we're not giving up a treasure or anything like that. She only does it for the gossip. And we can do without that. According to the directions, it takes a couple of hours. So we might as well make a start. You think we ought to start now, do you? Yes. <laughs> That's what I just said. Put the scissors down a little bit. You can finish that later. Well, we're not having any uh, last-minute doubts, are we, Billy? You know it's too late for that. We have to go through with it, exactly as planned. Now's the only time with Mrs. Jackson safely away. Yes, I know. You want that card, don't you, Billy? You know the one you saw? You want things to be different, not only for me, but for all of us. I'm not doing it for the car. The car isn't why I'm doing it. Listen, Billy. Listen, will you? Carefully. You know that I can never tell when you're really listening to me. And try to understand, Billy, what I am. What I am can't just be thrown away, can it? And it's not wrong. What we're going to do is not wrong. We're doing it for his sake. Arthur wants me to be recognized for what I am. I mean, I can't tell you. He, he convinced me. I had to be convinced myself before I told you. I mean, I know it's different for you. I've known that all along, and I... Do try to make a little... So quiet in here. 
suddenly so terribly quiet. Did you turn that off? No, dear, you did it yourself. I did? I turned... I wanted it on. Why would I turn it off? Well, then it must have been me. Why did I ever marry you, Billy? I don't know, dear. Why did you? Because you're weak. And because you need me. Ben, we've done a Brian Forbes movie on this podcast. Get out of here, have we really? Yes, we have. 1975. Uh, Billy Liar. No. <laughs> the other one with Billy Liar. Nope, it's from the 70s. Uh, I don't know. The Stepford Wives. Really? That makes a lot of sense. Actually, now that I'm seeing this. Brian Forbes is a good director. He also was the guy who called the shot at uh, EMI Films. And the period in which he was like greenlighting movies, he greenlit like maybe one of the best 70s horror movies in Soon the Darkness. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's fucking a banger of a, of a movie. No, I've never and heard also, of it. Uh, the Go-Between, um, one of Joseph Lucy's best movies. So, you know. I, I love I love this man, uh, Brian Forbes, um, R.I.P. I don't know if we'll ever do another Brian Forbes movie unless we do another kitchen sink drama and I decide to choose like the whistle down the wind or the L-shaped room or something. But he's a hell of a director. He really understands two things. He understands when to hold and release tension, and he also understands pacing incredibly well. This movie's like two hours. That is something I will say about Winter Light. That movie's an hour 20, and it never stops moving. Like, no, even it, though Winter Light is a movie you might not understand or necessarily gel with, you can't deny that that movie doesn't actually waste time trying to get to what it's saying. But this movie's like 30 minutes longer, and I'll say it, like, the pacing on this movie's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's... Once it's like, lays its groundwork, and you kind of, like you kind of figure out where it's going. It's so good. <laughs> let me let me ask you something. Yeah. Who's worse? Marie Windsor as Sherry Petty in The Killing or Kim Stanley as Myra Savage in Seance on a Wet Afternoon? Who's the worst character? Ah, I think in the killing she's the one who's married to like who's married oh, yes. to yes George yes. Pett um, Elisha Cook Jr I think I'm gonna go with Mary Windsor just because I think there's enough sadness in Kim Stanley's performance specifically around her dead child um, and the spirit of her dead child that makes her performance more understandable if that makes sense i do think towards the end where she's like full-on manic where like she like her eyes get like really big and you're like you're starting to scare me kim (laughs) myra you're really starting to scare me yeah but 
Oh, man, it's... What about you? What's your answer? I mean, I think you're right that there is more sadness to this character. But, I mean, like, she is just, like... It's it's almost... You know what it is? It's almost like... The one character in The Killing is like a dog who bites at you because they know they're biting at you and they don't care. Whereas this is, like... This dog's been driven mad. Like, she lost her puppy and like it it like broke her kind of i don't think she ever came back from it and sadly old richard attenborough is not doing anything to help no richard attenborough richard attenborough is just making it worse it's (sighs) this movie is like in my opinion the urtext of british dramas just because it's just like so incredibly sad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like it is yeah just, i do it's just a movie about people who are like in a terrible situation who whose son died who are like irreparably broken and then decide to do the worst possible thing you could imagine in order to try and like better themselves and like get into a better situation and then it just all goes it just all goes so fucking wrong it's it's a perfect movie it's funny I brought that movie up too because it kind of reminds me of it. In a lot of ways, it's like the killing in that it breaks down the crime so perfectly. Like you see step by step how they go about it. You don't have a narrator obviously narrating this the way the killing does, but you see every step of the crime take place. And it's like, it's kind of amazing too for how a movie made in 64, they don't really flinch away from how fucked up of a situation this is. Yes. Like, say what you will. This movie is about two people who say we are going to get paid by abducting a child. And I am going to then go because I am a clairvoyant with like heavy quotations on the word clairvoyant to the parents and say, I think I can find the child for you. And they're going to pay us off for it. You would think to yourself, like, that's a pretty fucked up thing to show on film. Like, and they don't ever flinch away from it. This really does sort of feel like the time when things started to open up a little bit with like how dark a movie could be because this is based off a novel that came out in 61 and sort of the end of like the british new wave yeah i would say it's sort of the end of the british new wave when they kind of started getting poached going to to america and it really is a movie where it's just like it, it doesn't flinch in it's just unspeakable bleakness like the idea of kidnapping a child to like hold a ransom and then to to like use the child and to like oh my god it's it's such a a bleak premise that like shouldn't work but the movie is just so well constructed and you you never lose sight of like how evil these people are and yet it still like paints them with sympathy and like treats them even handedly i don't know this movie this movie's a banger if you've never seen this movie go see it also too it it doesn't help that it's maybe the most adorable little girl you've ever seen who also is like fucking smart yes the way she calls them on certain bullshit where she's like you don't smell like a doctor and he's like, what do doctors smell like? And she's like, like peppermint. And he's like, fuck, she had an answer. Didn't think she'd have an answer. They're bad at it. 
too. That's the other thing, too. I love a movie where the criminals are kind of bad at it. Yes. Like, because it makes it more real. Like, in The Killing, like, Sterling Hayden's way too good at what he does to be kind of, like, real in some ways. Like, in this, you're like, yeah, I buy that this dude was real. I buy that this, case, like, happened in a real-life event. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, maybe this sounds crazy, but it's it feels to me very similar to... A little less exploitation-y. Um, yes. Don't 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 step on what I'm gonna pair it with, okay? Oh, okay. All right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Back back him off. Beep. No, no. I'll just I'll just yeah. Beep. We'll bleep. We'll bleep that. I'm I'm backing the truck up. Beep. Yeah. Beep. People people will enjoy that tease. Yeah. Don't don't. What's the line from Zagmir? Don't do that. Little dog don't like that. <laughs> oh, you know what? Zach and Miri might make my top four. I always forget Zach and Miri make a porno. There's a really beautiful romantic comedy mixed into that disgusting movie. It's a disaster. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, but I really like the swing that that movie takes. Yes. So yeah, they take this child and just the scene where she locks the door and he's like, let me in. And she's like, fuck off. Are you kidding me? You're not getting me. No. Come on. No. Oh, be your Oh, that come on. It's that guy trying to get Sideshow Bob to leave Springfield. I can be <laughs> very persuasive. Come on, leave town. No. Oh, come on. No. Oh, you're mean. Oh. <laughs> One of my favorite just moments in The Simpsons. So, yeah, he finally gets her and he chloroforms. I'll say it, too. That's, uh, that scene where he's like, it's just a game. And you're just like, oh, that is terrifying. Like, how is the sweet old man from Jurassic Park this upsetting? I think also, like, the moment where he's, like, putting on, like, a fake nose is pretty fucking crazy. And I love it. Yeah. Like, he's, he's wearing a fake nose the entire movie. And it's just like, hmm, interesting choice. It's certainly something to, like, disguise that he's not, I guess, the guy who took her. Because you would feel like she would remember that. But I don't know. Maybe maybe as a child, she's like, maybe I hallucinated that because I'm in the hospital. Yeah, it's interesting. The whole movie's interesting. So they get the child and they put on the ruse for this child. They tell her, like, you're in hospital. Like, you've, you've gotten ill. And she's like, she's like, oh, OK, I'm in hospital. And they, like, they then send the ransom note. By the way, the scene where they're doing the ransom note is by far one of my, like, favorite moments in this movie. Where they're, like, actually, like, editing it. And it's like, really? Like, <laughs> you really you really think that's what's going on here? Like, I don't know. It, it, just, it just destroys me. Like, how she's, like, kind of... I mean, that's the other thing, too, is, like, she's fucking naggy with him, too. And you're just, like, you're just, like, oh, come on. One of you fucking turn. He he, got, he progressively throughout the thing is like we've got to take her back like we fucked up. Uh, we committed a bad. We should fix this. And she's just like, nah. <laughs> she's like, no, I can still pull it off. I can still pull it off. I can land this plane. Oh. <laughs> no, you can't. No, you can't. Stop. Okay, what's your favorite scene? I mean, honestly, like the final seance. Yeah, is so good. But yeah. if we're not, and I think we got to save that for the end. But if I'm talking about during it, kind of the scene where she talks him into it, like where he has that first reservation, and she's like, she goes, 
no one's getting hurt. Like we're doing this. We're doing this because we can. Like she goes, this is an opportunity. And you're just like, oh, like, but the more you travel with her down the road, you realize, oh, she's she's really messed up. Yeah. 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 She's right. They should have they should have put the should have put that kid down. Does the little girl make it? <laughs> yes. OK, good. There is like a throwaway where the police are like, yeah, she's fine. We found her. Whatever. OK, good. Uh, they don't do a lot to tell you that, which I'm like, you know, that's good. Leave it ambiguous to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But also, like, do you imagine you walk out of the theater and be like, they killed a kid. Hey, buddy, guess what? The remake? That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, from that filmmaker, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, he made Cure. Yeah. Come on, um... what are we... So there is a Japanese remake of this film called Seance, directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. It's very different. One of the main differences is that in that movie, the paranormal stuff is real. What? Um, yes. Now there's yes. an idea. Now I'll say yes. this. You've immediately got me on the train to watch this because like you add in the fact that it's like, actually, no, Arthur's real because... What you don't know is the way she communicates with the dead is through her son, Arthur, who passed. He died, like, in childbirth. I'm not sure if... In... You didn't see him, Shelley! I saw him! It was just me! I don't think they have a, a dead child in the, in the, the remake. Well, just the idea, think... though, of that being real, though. Yes. No, it is real. It's, 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 oh, it's so good. Both movies are great. It's shorter, too, I noticed. It is. Yeah, which is an interesting idea as well. Okay, it's, interesting. It's, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot different. It's not like a direct remake, but it's, it's very good. You want to do something really lame this year, and we will exchange the exact same gift to one another, and it will be the movie Cure on Criterion Collection? Yeah, sure. That's yeah, good. perfect. <laughs> good. Because I've been meaning to watch Cure year. again. Keep doing that every year. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm excited yeah. to watch it um, not on a shitty fucking DVD quality rip. I'm I'm very excited just to see what that Blu-ray looks like, because I bet you that is very pretty looking. And I'll, I won't lie to you, there's a real chance that could be next year's uh, Ben's birthday screening. <laughs> well, I think you'd come down from Portland for that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, cure on a big screen. Let's talk about the final moments of this movie. I thought she was dead when he places her under the the tree the first time but it was this time when i realized like she's not yeah yeah thank god she's she's alive because you know there'd probably be more time in jail for both of these two and they kind of come back and like they have one final seance and it feels like she's gone from being rational and talk toable to almost kind of the same level that the woman in Sunset Boulevard goes to. Yes. She hits like a trance where it's like reality is broken. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Man alive, do you just, you feel so bad. You feel so bad for for them. And it's weird too because they committed a fucking crime. Like, it's, yeah. it's fucked yeah, up. Yeah. They, they committed a very weird and bad crime. <laughs> 
mean, they abducted a child. It's probably like the second worst crime you could do next to like abducting and like maybe like molesting and killing a child probably is the only thing that makes it worse, if I had to guess. And yeah, like they get caught. But she's gone like she's off the reservation at that point. She's gone full, like full insane. She goes full breakdown and tells the police everything. I think an interesting recall that I noticed this time is that the police already have found her and know what happened and they're just trying oh, yeah. to, to get a, a confession. She says it to the husband at the end. She goes, did I do good, Billy? And like, he just kind of is like, yeah, you did. Like, like even he knows like, like it's over. It's, it's such a, it's such a downer ending of a movie. And it's why what you mentioned, what you mentioned before is going to get paired with it. The ending is so real. You're just like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it should end. Like that's life. Like that's that's life. I mean, it's dramatized to be sure, but it's like it's real in some ways. Like there is no there is no escape from one's demons. Mm-hmm. It's a real fucking sad movie. <laughs> it is. It's very Great. very a plus. Yeah. Very sad. What would you pair this with? I'm going to pair this with the pretty damning and very upsetting. Richard Fleischer film, starring with Richard Atterborough, 10 Rillington Place. I don't know that movie. You want to have a bummer of an afternoon? Oh, I guess, yeah. Watch I guess I would. Together. <laughs> and they're both Richard Attenborough. Both Richard Attenborough. Uh, do you know who Richard Fleischer is? Sounds familiar. He's a great director. He was around for a really long time. Um, he's probably most known for directing Compulsion. 1959's Compulsion. Um, he also directed Doctor Doolittle, the Compulsion. much maligned not 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 the most recent one, the maligned '67 one, Soylent Green, Fantastic Voyage, yeah. 2000 Things Under the Sea, Conan the, Bar- Conan the Destroyer, Red Sonia. Motherfucker worked. The studio guy. He started in '46. His last movie was '87. So he worked for a long time. That's impressive. Um, yeah, some of his movies in the seventies are really interesting. See No Evil, the the Ma- the Maya Farrow blind movie, Ten Rillington Place, The New Centurions, The Boston Strangler. That's a good one. Tony Curtis movie, right? Tony Curtis movie, yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, I might have to look more into Richard Fleischer. And... Working director. Yeah, it sounds like it. I, I do like a working director. And what's your elevator? pitch for this movie hey and you want to be bummed the fuck out you want a, a good british new wave movie that is very sad and also a pretty taut thriller yeah and everybody's gonna be like what does that mean those are words that i do not understand yeah but you're not wrong at the same time and what do you give it i give it i think i give it Four, four and a half, probably leaning towards four. Four? Four and and a quarter. Okay, four and a quarter. That's weird. First time I've ever ever split the the number into a quarter. I think you've done it a couple of times. I have not. But but, no, you have, I think, but you you say it first time every time. Then that's the bit. Stop ruining my bits. Yeah, yeah. This is a five. This literally, like, 
this got better the second time I watched it. And I, I was up till like two in the morning the last time I watched this because I put it on. I was like, ah, we'll see if I can stay awake. Because then I started, I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. <laughs> and I said not to spoil what I would pair it with. Um, we bleeped it out there. This is now like on par with The Honeymoon Killers, like as one of the best movies you've ever shown me. Nice. Yeah, this is like, Voices. this reminds me so much of like, just like what you can do when a movie starts firing on all cylinders. I might have the honeymoon killers by the end of the week. Yeah, I might have that movie. We'll see. <laughs> I'm going out. Uh, sorry, I'm going out to um, Barnes and Noble. My dad was like, "What do you want for your birthday?" I was like, "I want Criterion Collection movies." He's like, "What's that?" I'm like, "I was like, let's go to Barnes and Noble on this day." And I said, "You can determine how many you want to grab." And he was like, "And I was like, he was like, okay, we'll see." And I was like, "And I was like, yeah, I might buy the honeymoon killers because the dad is yeah. like, what do you want?" It's a good movie. It is. Well, that takes us out of it, and it only leads me to ask the question, Tyler, next week, we're going to discuss whether Japan should bring back the rising sun flag, and we're also going to talk about two classic Japanese films. Well, they shouldn't bring back the rising sun flag because that represented imperialism and a lot of horrible shit that they did, but... It's a dope flag, though. you got to give it that. It's a, it's a, it does look really cool, I will say. It yeah. does look really cool. We're going to do two classics of Japanese cinema, both of which are heavily inspired by the Japanese fiacha and Japanese folklore. The first one from 1953, directed by Kenji Mizuguchi, is, of course, Yugetsu, one of the greatest movies ever made. I was lucky to see this recently on 35mm. We're following it up with a movie I actually just gave Ben as a gift. Uh, the horror movie, one of the just best, most just fucking just a fantastic little film by Kaneti Shindo. That's, of course, from 1964, Ani Baba. Well, guys, for next week, Yugetsu and Oni Baba, two movies that I have nothing in terms of knowledge about outside of a cover of Oni Baba because I've seen that, which I'll tell you, that cover is weird. It's a Criterion movie, too, speaking of Criterion movies. So I'll get yeah. to break that bad boy in on my DVD player and... I want to say Nathan, when I was doing Netflix and he didn't have Netflix, he and I would be like, yeah, every third disc you can have like a movie and just like watch it. I remember Yugetsu being one of those movies, I think. It's a brilliant movie. I'm excited. And movie. yeah, for next week, guys, Yugetsu and Onibaba. And you guys can follow us, of course, at TWGTF pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at et critic for the empty theater critic on twitter or at movie loving lucha 87 on instagram and dialers anywhere they can follow you uh they can follow me into the uh, other room where i will be conducting a seance where i talk to my dead son that's pretty cool right so i think so yeah i think so too and for uh, <laughs> when did ash die like <laughs> Was it when he refused to go back in the car? No, he's still alive. You heard him barking the other. You heard him bark just a couple minutes ago. I don't think I actually did hear him, honestly. Well, he was. But uh, he's still alive. Don't worry, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> this is say? that moment. In, this is that moment in Aliens. He, she's alive, Bishop. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Here, I'm gonna send you a. Speaking of hysterical photos, I'm gonna send you the funniest photo we've taken of Mac yet. And for TWGTF, Two White Guys Talking Film, I've, of course, been your host, Ben. And I'm Myra.
And remember, guys, if you come to our little video box around the way and you see a guy like being hit by what appears to be just like absolute brilliant light coming through like some glass pane, well, he's having a crisis of faith. Let him get through it on his own time. So bright after a seance. Brightness just seems to fall from the air. Talking, 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 film. That was good. Uh, let's just let you get up to 140. Why is that cat so long? <laughs> well, because he's king of long style. Uh, 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 got him. You like that? Whenever I introduce him, whenever he comes out from somewhere, I go, he is king of long style. He is Mac. Then he'll just look at me and be like, what are you doing? What are you doing up there? You're being too loud. He's just sitting in his little basket looking out the window, just being like, this is the best. I hope he's figured out he doesn't need to climb the drapes to get at the cat to get at the things outside because you can't get to them regardless. I mean, one moment I'm waxing lyrically about my many ocean voyages, next thing I know you fell out of your chair and collapsed. Most of the time it's just like a weak foul ball, you know, but he's swinging hard. He is. He really is. Like, it's the most creativity he's had in him probably since anything post Jersey Girl. Mm hmm interesting because <laughs> i think jersey girl is what really like is what really kind of like broke him yeah are I we gonna I, do I him are we gonna do him at one point maybe i don't know it feels like it feels like he would be like such a weird choice to it be like be, yeah, no 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 because i love him like i unabashedly love kevin smith but i mean okay if you gun to your head what are the four that you would pick it's I think it's the same Wait, just now basically. without 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 doing it. Clerks dogma. Duh. Duh. Red state. All right. That's an interesting choice. <laughs> Have you seen red state? <laughs> Not since it came out. No. Oh, I, I, I think red state's an amazing horror movie. Like I, I think red state is an incredible, like incredible, like 90 minute, like. It's kind of the way Green Room plays. It's just like, it's kind of one location, but it's like, it's really fucking effective for what it does. Hold on one second. We're going to let it be quiet now so it can pick up my air conditioning. And there that is. Okay. No, I think it's really effective. And number four, probably Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back because like, I really, really, really appreciate like just how fun that movie is from start to finish. And it's kind of just a kinetic thrill ride. You really made me made me uh, eat my words because I thought it was going to be the same for, like, regardless. Oh, what did you? What would you have picked? I Clerks, just assumed it was going to be like Clerks, Dogma, Chasing Amy. And no, uh, no. I would probably I would probably say Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back just because I've seen that movie like eight hundred million times. It's such a fun movie, and it's so easy to talk about too because it. I mean, and you know what it is. It's a road trip movie in the same way Pee Wee Herman is a road trip movie. Yes. Oh, by the way, I wanted to say this to you. No large marks, um, though. Yeah. He is going to climb this fucking curtain again. I'm almost certain. <laughs> he, no, like, he is seriously, like, he is now gone. And it, motherfucker. Give me a sec. Nope, he's, he's gotten down. He knows. This little fuck like no he is like seriously like sitting in front of the curtain just with his head completely staring upwards like gonna be like i'm 
I'll figure it out. Like, ain't gonna be too long before I can't do this. Like, I should probably figure this out. Did you close the and he's window? looking over here now. He's like, I'm not doing nothing. Fuck off. Oh, what an ass. Yeah, I see you, Macaloo. You don't think I see you, but I do. 